copy or a hard copy. I encourage you to take it out. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be hanging out there today looking at a few parables or stories that Jesus taught. On August 15th of this month, I left Denver International Airport uh, for a trip of a lifetime. Some of you have seen pictures or a picture that I, Catherine posted on Facebook, and some of you doubted what you were seeing, but uh, I see how it is. It's all right. But uh, I went, I was invited to go on an all-expenses-paid trip by Compassion International uh, to a lake up in Canada, Ontario, Canada, Lake Nipigon. I had never heard of it. Uh, After I was invited and was uh, able to finalize that I could go, uh, I started watching videos and learning all I could learn about this place that I was headed. And we were going to be fishing for walleye and northern pike. So I started watching as many videos as I could on YouTube about my opponent, the, the, the uh, target that we were going after. We arrived by float plane, We landed in Thunder Bay on Wednesday evening, spent the night. Thursday morning, we got up and and got in a float plane, and an hour and a half later, the plane landed on the water in this little cove, this little bay that uh, we would be staying on these houseboats. The the lake itself is about 100 miles long, and we were on the north end of that lake. So we landed, we ate lunch. And we headed out that afternoon for our first fishing adventure. And we were going to be fishing for walleye on this, on this first afternoon. So there were three boats. I was on this trip with six other pastors from around the country. Most of them, uh, well, three of them were from the Chicago area. One was from Clearwater, Florida, and a couple were from Iowa. And so I was the lone Western representative on this trip. We head out on this, on this first afternoon, and uh, we're fishing for walleye, and one of the guys in my boat, he pulls in this first fish here I want you to see, 28 and a half inch walleye. Uh, now, for those of you who are walleye fishermen, if I were to have caught that, I would have immediate street cred. This is like a trophy fish. walleye. Uh, That's unheard of. That is unheard of here in Colorado. And so, I mean, that was right off the bat. And so I'm like, man, I can't wait to get into one of those. And so we keep fishing. And I keep catching fish. I mean, I, I, I was catching a lot of fish, but I wasn't catching that. And so we keep going that, that afternoon. And, and I finally think, well, I better take a, fi- a picture of something. I mean, I can't just not take a picture. And so here's, <laughs> I mean, it's like I was fishing at the kiddie table. You know, 
hey, when y'all have like Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner, does the, do the adults sit at one table and the children sit at another table? I felt like I was fishing at the kiddie table. And, and so uh, the guy that's in the picture with me, some of you who uh, may have listened to Christian music back in the 80s and 90s, you might remember a, a Christian artist named Jeff Moore in the distance. Well, that's Jeff Moore. He runs Fellowship Adventures up in, in Canada. And so it was fun to hang out with him. So I took this picture. I wanted a trophy. I didn't get a trophy that day. We went back. We had a campfire and, and, and had a great dinner. So we head out for day two. Day two, we go out and, and we catch our lunch in the morning. So we fish for walleye in the morning. We pull up on the shore. They cook us a great uh, walleye lunch, and then we go out in the afternoons hunting the monsters, these northern pike. And man, I've seen so many videos, and I'm like, I'm so ready to catch muy grande, you know, I'm ready. We go out, and the guy in my boat, he pulls this in right off the bat, uh, almost immediately. Yeah, that's what I said. And so I'm... I can't wait. And so I'm telling you, I bet I cast this silver spoon 500 times that afternoon, waiting my turn, waiting my turn. And, and we went to another spot, and we were walleye fishing again, and I happened to catch a, a northern pike. <laughs> I was fishing at the kiddie table. I'm, guys, you have no idea. There are these, these other guys on the trip with me. Two of them had been fishing twice in their life. I'm like, I, I went fishing twice last week. I, I love the feel of the tug on the end of my, I, it's, I love it. And so they all kind of got the idea. Joel, is this is his thing. He loves to fish. These other guys, they're holding the rod upside down and reeling back. I don't even know what to do, you know. Uh, and they're, what's the next picture I got up here? He's been fishing twice. And he's, I'm like. Okay, so day two. I'm up in the boat again. I'm throwing this lure, and the way you fish these things, you got to find grass, and when you feel your lure hitting grass, you rip it through there, because these big old monsters, they sit down in the grass, and where all these little bait fish are, and they ambush them. So your lure is going through the grass, and you rip it through the grass, and so I had reeled mine through, I'd come through the last patch of grass, and probably from me to the viscers away, I can start seeing my lure as it comes closer to the boat. And I'm bringing it in and thinking that this cast is over with. And all of a sudden, I see coming up behind my lure, muy grande. <laughs> Just following it in all the way to the boat. <laughs> and my natural reaction was, is to tighten up. And he saw the boat turn, went off. missed my opportunity, man. I, I should have slowed the lure down and paused a second and let him come and get it, but I, I tightened up and I missed my chance. So this is day two. No pike except the kiddie table. Day three, we go out. 
We start fishing some more. Uh, here's some other examples of day three fish that were caught. Yeah. Where's mine? I'm ready for mine. Another one, I think, yeah, this it's not even fair. I mean, it's just not fair. I'm, you guys are allowing me to vent, and I appreciate that. <laughs> and finally, at the, near the end of day three, I was ready to give up. I was, I'm just being honest. I was getting discouraged because all the other guys are catching that. So, again, I'm throwing my lure, reeling it in, ripping it through the grass. My lure comes through the grass. I can see it. It's coming, and it happened again. He followed it up to the boat. I paused this time. And the fight was on. And it was great, and I loved it. And, And so that's where the next picture I finally caught. Well, that one was sitting at the teenage table. It wasn't the adult table like those other ones, but it was, it was picture worthy. Uh, oh, man. It was a trip of a lifetime. I made some mistakes, and it cost me. Day two, I, I wasn't ready for the, for the fish to come following up out of the deep. Well, today we're going to, to look at some stories that Jesus taught, and I hope to be able to make some connection between my fishing trip. And my point in using that fishing trip as as a sermon illustration is that I hope that I get to go on a lot more of those fishing trips to, to get sermon illustrations anyway. So in Matthew chapter 24, everybody's turned there, right? Uh, You know, early in in the book of Matthew, we have the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5 through 8. Here at the end of Matthew, before the arrest of Jesus, right before the arrest of Jesus and and, and, uh, what follows that weekend, we have an account of of another long passage, the the Mount Olive Discourse, conversation, large teaching of Jesus here. And in this particular uh, place... They're wondering about the end times, his disciples. Look at chapter 24, verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Hey, tell us when, tell us when will these things be? And what will the, be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They were curious. They wanted to know, when, hey, when's the end going to come? When is, when's all this going to take place? And so we have... This teaching, this Mount Olive discourse that goes on for the next couple of chapters. Keep in mind as we go through this that that chapter numbers and verses were not part of the original text. So when we go through some of these parables that are in a row, you might think, well, this one's in chapter 24, this one's in chapter 25, so they're disconnected. don't Don't allow that to happen. It is... Allow the context to just flow there. They wanted to know when it would happen, when this would come about, but Jesus was very clear, is very clear in his teaching that no one knows the day or the hour when the Lord will come back. Look, look with me at verse 36. What does he say in chapter 24? But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. 
Look at verse 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on, the, on what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44. Therefore, you, must, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Look at verse 50. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour that he does not know. Jesus was really clear. These disciples, man, tell us. We want to know so we can be ready. Nobody knows, but you need to be ready. You need to be ready for his coming. Now, I need, let's just be honest with each other. That you and I, are, it's, it's common in our culture that we are so busy. We are covered up with things to do. We are covered up with the, the issues of life. That it's not very often that we think about the coming of our Lord Jesus. That is not on the top of my list of thoughts every day. Today might be the day that the Lord returns and comes and gets his bride. No, on my to-do list is, is tasks that I need to get done during the day and who I need to call, who I need to contact. The, those are the kind of things that that I think about, oh, I get up just like you do in the morning and, and have my time alone with the Lord. But i got to be honest, it's not just on the forefront of my mind that today might be the day. I hope that today is a reminder to each of us that it should be on our mind. It is something that we should be mindful of and thinking of day in and day out. And we will see in these coming stories... At the end of chapter 24 is our first one, starting in verse 45. Jesus' teaching is when this is, when this is the, I'm sorry, who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Here's the first example. Blessed is that servant whom the master will find doing, so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will he will set him over all his possessions. But if the wicked servant says to himself, hey, my master is delayed and, be, and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. Verse 50, the master of, the, of that servant will come on that day when he does not expect him and then an hour when he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you ever been surprised? Have you ever been surprised that someone showed up earlier than they were supposed to? These two servants, the master puts, them, uh, puts a servant in charge, and he's faithful in his duties. And when the master came back earlier than anyone expected, he found that wise servant doing what he had been assigned. But the other one said, Psh, I got time? He's gone. He's, he's 100 miles from here. It'll take him at least three hours to get back. I got plenty of time. And the master shows up before he expects and finds him not doing what he's supposed to. In fact, he finds that opportunity to go and party and have fun and do what he wants to do. Church, let's not be guilty of that. Me and you. Not that we're out partying and doing this and that, but let's not be guilty of thinking, oh, we got plenty of time. Jesus isn't coming back anytime soon. It's down the road. I mean, he's, 
There's just a lot of things that have to happen before he can come back. The first point on your outline I want you to see. A lesson that we can take away from these two servants. Always be watching. Jesus might come back sooner than you think. Listen, on day two of my fishing trip, I had ripped that lure through those grass pads, and it was almost back to the boat, and it surprised me. The monster came up from the deep and was looking at my lure, and it surprised me and panicked and took the lure away from him. A mistake I would not make again. And I don't want any of us in this room to be guilty of thinking, we got plenty of time. So Jesus goes on, he tells another story, and again, it jumps over into the next chapter. Please don't think that that is a cut in between uh, time or whatever. This is all part of this teaching that he is doing as it relates to his coming again. And he gets to the story of the ten bridesmaids. It's a longer, little longer parable, but I'm going to read it because it's God's word. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like the ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, give give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, since there will not be be enough for us and For you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came and also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore. For you know neither the day nor the hour. You know, a marriage feast, uh, there's, there's several layers to that feast. There's the betrothal. There's that time when parents, it usually happened when parents of a, of, a, of a girl and a boy would get together and say, our two children should marry, and they would be betrothed together. Usually the father of of the groom would bring a gift to the father of the bride. The next phase was, I'm sorry, the first phase is the promise of the wedding. The second is the betrothal. This would what we would call the engagement period. They're engaged to be married. The only way that it could be broken now was by divorce. This is the phase where Joseph and Mary were when Mary was found to be with child. They were betrothed to be married. They were legally committed to one another, and the last phase of of a wedding or a marriage was the wedding feast. 
You may have heard the passage before that says, man, Jesus says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. It's a picture of a wedding feast. The groom has gone away to prepare the place for his bride. And the day comes and he goes and he gets his bride and he takes her home. And in our parable here, we have these brides that are waiting for the groom to come and get them. But he's tardy. He's slow in getting there. He's taking forever. Uh, It's midnight. He's still not here. They start falling asleep. Hey, have you ever waited and waited and waited on someone to do something, someone to come and, and provide this or do this, whatever, and you finally... It's not going to happen. Do you find yourself right now waiting for Joel to hurry up and say the next words because this silence is awkward? And waiting. And waiting. And waiting. Five of the bridesmaids were prepared. Five of them were not. When it got close, they had to go find oil for their lamps. I don't want to paint too much into what a lamp represents or what the oil represents. Or Listen, when the time came, were they waiting or were they out trying to get stuff for their lamp? Same is true for you and I. You know, the the servants, they taught us this lesson that, man, we ought to always be watching. In case he comes before we think, sooner than we think, we've got to be watching, man. Our head has to be on a swivel. This next parable, Jesus continues this teaching. Not only might he come before you think, he might come later than you think. So find yourself waiting. There's your next blank. Always be waiting. (coughs) Excuse me. Because he might come later than you think. It says in that parable, because the bridegroom was delayed, it was taking longer than they expected. Again, folks, I I don't find myself daily and constantly thinking about his return. I need to more. We all do. When he comes whether it's tomorrow, next week, next year, 100 years, will he find me and you waiting? Waiting for him. The last of the three stories that we have here connected is the story of the talents. It's another familiar story that Jesus taught, and it is in this chain of parables, stories, that he's having in this private conversation with his disciples that are asking about the end times. The parable of the servants says, man, always be watching because he might come before you think. 
The parable of the ten bridemaids. Always be waiting because he might come later than you think. And we get to the talents. You know what it is. Servants going away. I mean, the master's going away. And he gives five talents to one servant. He gives two talents to the next servant. He gives one to to the final servant. A talent was no small thing. It was something of significance. I don't have time to to unpack all of of its value, but just know that it was something significant. He goes away. The first servant, who was given five talents, goes out, puts it to work, and doubles it. The second servant, who was given two talents, does the same thing. He puts it to work and doubles it. The third, and we quickly realize, the foolish servant, who was given one, takes it and buries it. I don't want to mess up. I don't, I don't, hey, I, I at least want to be able to give him back what he gave me. So the master comes back, and he calls in his servants. <clears throat> to the first servant who he gave five, he says, I put it to work, and here's ten. And what does the master say to his servant? Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. I entrusted you with those gifts, and you put them to work, man. You didn't just bury them and sit on them. You went out and worked it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. To the next servant, who he gave to, what did he do? He doubled it. And he said to that servant, well done, my good and faithful servant servant. To the last one was not as favorable. In fact, he had some very harsh words for that that servant. Verse 27, then you ought to have invested it. You ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received with some interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who, will, who has will be given, and, to, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Sound familiar? Friends, listen. It's my prayer that none of us end up in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which seems to be the place where the foolish servants go. For those who do not wait, those who do not watch, and those who do not invest and manage the gifts that God has given them. Now let me ask you to take a look. I've had to look at the gifts that that God has given me, and am I managing them well today? Am I using the gifts that God has given me? If he were to show up today sooner than we think, and he were to, which, which one of these servants would I be? Which would you be? Oh, make no mistake, every one of us in this room who have trusted in Jesus as our Savior have been given gifts. He has gifted every one of us who have recognized that we, all have, that we have sin, 
that I'm going to pay for my sin unless something happens, unless something is done about it. But listen, God had a plan, and God did something about it. He sent his son Jesus to die for my sins so I wouldn't have to. And I placed my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior. Have you? And because I've trusted in Jesus, and have many of you have done the same thing, the Holy Spirit has come and has taken, taken up residence in my heart and in your heart. And on the day when the Lord returns, he's going to look at those gifts that he has given me and given you. And is he going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or is he going to find me or find you having just sat on them and, and buried them? Church, there are so many gifted people in this church. It's, it's, it's silly. I look around and, and, and see the giftedness in your life. And oftentimes people use that giftedness in their place of employment. And I want to challenge every single one of us to not only use it in a place of employment, but use it for the kingdom, man. Some of you have been given the ability to teach, to speak. Some of you have the ability to swing a hammer and fix things. Some of you have the ability to fundraise. Some of you have the ability to do all kinds of things. It's, it's just amazing as I look at the people in our church, the people who have grace and compassion written all over them. Are you using that for the glory of God, to, to his, for his kingdom's sake? If not, it is my prayer that today God would say, it's time, man. It's time for you to put these gifts to work. You've been sitting on them. You buried them in the backyard. I've gifted you to do these things, yet you're not using the gifts. Because I do not want to see anyone in this room or anyone that, that hears this online to be in a place where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. These three uh, go together. I, I don't know if I filled in the blanks or if it's been up there, but that last blank on your, or the lesson from the talent says, always be working. Jesus will be looking to see how you managed his gifts. It's hard to catch fish when you don't have a hook in the water. And I'll be honest. There were times on that trip that I had cast that. I bet I threw that silver spoon over a thousand times. And there were times where I just stopped because I was tired of not catching fish. My back was sore. <laughs> I was tired of not catching fish. I don't go fishing to not catch fish. I go fishing to catch them. And it's my prayer that each of us would not grow weary in doing good. That we would not grow tired of serving the Lord, serving those people around us for the glory of God. Man, don't get tired of that. Keep that hook in the water and keep reeling it in. Keep serving. Keep serving. So don't get caught messing around uh, keep your eyes open. 
Don't, don't get caught messing around with your secret sin thinking I've got plenty of time to get this cleaned up in my life. He might come back sooner than you think. Don't give up on waiting. Be patient. Keep your eyes on the road. Don't, don't let the things of this world lull you to sleep and to forget about his coming one day. He might come later than you think. Be patient and keep managing his gifts. What does God want from you today? What's he calling you? How is he wanting you to respond today? Have you been thinking, I've got plenty of time? Have you been distracted by the things of this world and you need to, you need to come back in focus that he might show up any time? Have you been sitting on the gifts that God's given you? What's God want from you today? Listen for his voice. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. And today we, um, we ask that your Holy Spirit would remind us of how important it is to keep our eyes focused on you focused on the things that you have for us, have for us to do, that each of us would pursue our Ephesians 2.10 mission in life. That we are your masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus to do good things that you set aside for us long ago. Lord, may we be focused and be found diligent. When you return, Lord, may you find us busy doing those things that you've set aside for us to do. Lord, I pray that none of us have, have given up hope and, and are tired of waiting. And if that person is here today, that today will be a day of renewal, to lift their eyes up to you, to, to pursue you, to chase you. Lord, I ask that in these next few moments of silence that, that we would take the lessons from these these three parables that you tied together about your coming and that you would speak straight to our hearts as individuals about watching and waiting and working for your kingdom. Speak, Lord, we pray. I'm going to ask the praise team to make their way up. Um, they're going to lead us into uh, some more worship this morning. Uh, but in this time of response, I want you to focus in on the words that we're singing. I want you to, to spend time, continue spending time with God about where your focus is. If you need prayer today, I would love to pray with you. But whatever, whatever it is, if today's the day that, that you would say, man, I, I, just, I believe God's calling me to, to trust in him as my Savior, and, and you're not sure about how that works or what to say or what to do, I would love to talk with you about that. Whatever business you need to do with God, do it before you leave.
Let's stand and worship together.